In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, when I first started to read this chapter of Isaiah, I thought, huh, come, drink good stuff for free, eat good stuff for free, that's either a barbecue or potluck. <laughs> um, well, it might be potluck with a barbecue. Uh, the texts today speak of uh, speak of the the communion with our Lord and God having the same kind of effect on our spirit as really good food and drink has on our, our body, our stomach. Uh, I don't often think of the Lord that way, but I understand what he's saying. And immediately after that, Isaiah says, uh, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Um, yeah, if you can get all this really good stuff for free, why would you want to spend money on McDonald's? or jack-in-the-box, or actually 99.97% of the stuff that's advertised on TV, newspapers, magazines, the internet, or anywhere else you look. I mean, far too often you see something and you go, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I want that. And then you buy it and you get it home and you use it a time or two and you go, well, this is nothing special. Why did I waste my money? <sighs> Advertising is so good at getting us to buy things that we really have no need for and aren't all that useful either. And they certainly don't delight your soul. They don't fill you up spiritually like a good meal fills you physically. So, says Isaiah, come, drink wine and milk without cost. Eat rich food for free. Your father is handing it out. You just need to come. Um, Isaiah says, listen to me. Delight yourself in rich food. Now, I don't think he's saying this as somebody who contends with Weight Watchers or something. He's saying, delight yourself in the joy and glory of the Lord. Delight yourself in our Father who cares for each of us and shepherds us. Um, Because if you eat this rich food, your soul will live. Well, that's pretty good. 
I'd like my soul to live. I know my body isn't going to live, but I'd like my soul to live. Okay, and then in the, uh, as we go a little farther in uh, chapter 55 of Isaiah, Isaiah links this um, promise of goodness with David. And David, of course, in Psalm 63, which is another one of our readings, basically says the same thing that Isaiah is saying, right? Um, he says, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. Uh, how many of you know what marrow is? Oh, look at you. All right. Goodness. Okay, marrow is the, the fatty tissue inside the major bones, right? And it's... Uh, Having lived with the slavey and, you know, they get these big animals like moose and caribou and sometimes bear as long as the bear isn't the spirit animal of the person who has the rifle. Then they don't, they don't get them. Um, but the marrow from the major bones of these animals is, uh, is treated almost like butter. It's so rich. Okay? It's just incredibly rich. It doesn't taste like butter. Um, doesn't look like butter, but it's very, very rich and very, very edible and extremely nourishing. And that's what he's actually saying in verse five. My soul is satisfied as if I had eaten marrow. Okay. Okay. He says, I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the nights of the, the watches of the night. For you've been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. Um, I don't know about y'all, you're probably holier than I am, but when I am in my bed and I try meditating on the Lord, generally doesn't last a terribly long time, and I never know when it ends because... <laughs> And then Betsy nudges me and says, roll over on your side, dear. <laughs> um, I do know of a, uh, of, a, of a very holy lady, Frederica Matthews Greens, probably some of you have read her stuff. Um, and she has a solution for this. She, she is not David who meditates you know, on her bed in the night watches. Instead, in the night watches, she gets up and goes somewhere in her house and stands upright as she meditates on the Lord. And uh, this helps to keep her awake. <laughs> so uh, I have not yet tried this. Um, anyway, David, David goes on. Uh, before this, he has said, uh, God, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Um, anybody that enjoys hiking and lives in Southern California has probably been out in the desert places where the, the sun is beating down and it's hot and it's dry. And occasionally, 
some one of those people might forget the uh, the liter of water or the 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 wet bag that's in their pack and they find out just how really weary and dry it can be. Hopefully they turn around before they get in trouble. Um, but we who live here in Southern California, generally speaking, we know what this is like, okay? It, it's not, climate-wise, it's not that different from where, uh, where David was. Uh, Mediterranean climate can be very, very dry, especially in summer. Uh, on a side note, of course, we're all happy because for the first time in 11 years, we are not in a drought in California. Hey! <clears throat> okay, so David puts his, uh, his longing for God before his um, rejoicing in the fullness, the full feeling that he gets from the Lord in his soul. Um, he longs for God he's always seeking for him thirsting for him praising his love he blesses God and promises to always pray to him so so David obviously has uh has come to the waters. He has purchased the wine and milk without cost. He has feasted at the table that the Lord provides for him. Okay. We go to uh, 1 Corinthians 10, and this is, a, this is kind of an interesting passage. Um, if Paul was a prophet at Talbot, he would probably get his hand slapped for saying some of the things he said here. <laughs> right? Because, you know, he's, he says that uh, the ancient Hebrews, as they came out of Egypt, they were all baptized in the sea and the cloud. They all ate the same spiritual food. Uh, they all drank the same spiritual drink. Going through the sea, was that baptism? Well, it certainly took faith. Um, I can't remember if this was a Larry Norman song or a Keith Green song, but back in the day there was this song about uh, Moses taking the children of Israel through the Red Sea and you know, the, everything wasn't on video back then, right? So you could, you had to hear it in the voice, and the singer was, you know, Moses on the bank of the deep Red Sea, stuck out his stick, and one, two, three, the waters rolled back, and the people walked down, and everyone knew they wouldn't drown. Okay. So, okay, maybe that can be a baptism of some sort. Um, eating the same spiritual food and drinking the same spiritual drink. And of course, having been reminded of our own baptism, we're now reminded of the Lord's table and the supper of the Lord, right? Eating the, the spiritual food, drinking the spiritual drink, 
and of course this is referring to the manna and uh, and the spiritual drink Paul says this is the rock from which the water came from and the rock followed them this comes from uh, there's two mentions of the rock that gives forth water and one of them is I should have written this down um, one of them's early in the journey one's late and uh, both times, there's the rock, water is coming out of it, everybody drinks. And the interesting interpretation that uh, would get Paul in trouble is, Paul says, the rock is, is Christ. And this, this rock with the water followed them. Uh, that's actually an old um, uh, explanation by the rabbis for why the rock appeared early and then late. I said, well, God made the rock follow them, so they always had water in the wilderness. Okay. Nevertheless, says Paul, God wasn't pleased with a bunch of them, and they perished. They, uh, they engaged in idolatry, and uh, sexual practices linked to idolatry. And God destroyed a bunch of them, even though they had been baptized and they took communion. Okay, ooh. And if he's applying that to folks today, New Testament, oh dear, we need to think about that. Um, but he gives us hope he warns us not to be uh, not to be idolaters to practice sexual sin um, not to put Christ to the test as some did and were destroyed by serpents therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. And then he goes into the famous verse on temptation. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. So you are not being tempted by anything unusual. Satan is not bringing a bazillion evil spirits to you to tempt you beyond what any human being has ever been tempted with before. Nope, just another common temptation. Uh, God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but will with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I think the problem for us many times is instead of when we first recognize, oh, I'm being tempted. Instead of at that point looking around for the escape and taking it, we allow ourselves to get caught up in the temptation. Ooh, oh, mm, mm. And by the time we think, oh my gosh, I need to escape. Oh, but I don't want to. 
and there we are. We're not looking for an escape. We're looking for an excuse. An excuse to do it, an excuse to why I did it. Or maybe you, at that point we just don't care. We want it. Was the way of escape there? Oh yeah. Easy. Easy way of escape. Turn around, walk away. Turn it off. Walk away. Say, hey, I got to go now. Bye. Whatever it is, turn around. Walk away. Oh, but you know, there's some cases where that'd just be so embarrassing. Yeah, a little embarrassing won't kill you. Turn around. Walk away. Ah, you've escaped. How deeply are you regretting the escape now? No, you know, you know, that was actually pretty easy. Don't let yourself get so drawn in by the temptation that you no longer want to escape. Take the escape early. Okay. Um, when, uh, when we read John 13, uh, if this was, um, if Jesus was here today, it might have been something like, did you hear about all the people in New Zealand who got killed because this guy came in and started shooting up a couple of moths? Were they more evil than anybody else? Did they get shot up because they were evil? And Jesus would say, no. They're no more evil than anybody else that was in the area. But unless you repent, you also will perish. Hmm. Then he tells the parable of the fig tree. And, and the parable of the fig tree is uh, really meant to directly apply to the people who were right there around him. Um, we all know Jesus' ministry, public ministry, was about three years. Uh, so the, uh, the owner of the property, the vineyard, says to his uh, gardener, um, I've been coming to this fig tree for three years. Jesus might say, I've been preaching to these people for three years. And I'm not seeing any fruit. Well, what's fruit? Well, growing up as a Baptist preacher's kid, I knew what was fruit. Fruit is bringing in new converts. Okay? Um, but according to the Bible, I, you know, that's not untrue. That's, that's fruit. Uh, fruit is also things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. In Jesus' time, 
as he was preaching, fruit would have been repentance and following Jesus. Right? Okay, so... Uh, Other than Judas, the, uh, the 12 apostles didn't get chopped down um, by the gardener. There were a lot of other people that didn't get chopped down. Uh, one guy got, thought he got chopped down, Lazarus, but then he sprung up again through Jesus. Okay, so we're looking for fruit if... If we're exhibiting fruit, we know that the Holy Spirit is working in us and we know that we belong to God, right? Um, This was about six months ago in my daily readings. Uh, I came across this passage. Might have been 3 John, I think it was 3 John, where John basically says, if someone is doing good, they're of God. And if they're doing bad, they're not of God. I'm like, okay, there you go. That's it. Is this person doing good? Yeah, they're of God. Are they not doing good? Well, no, they're not. Okay, show fruit. Um, Anyway, this brings us back to Isaiah again, where Isaiah tells us, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Now for the people in Israel, while Jesus was going around preaching, healing, and all of that, calling upon the Lord basically meant hearing what Jesus said and responding to it positively. Right? That's seeking the Lord while he may be found. By golly, in the history of the world, that was probably the easiest time to find him. Um, Not always so uh, easy these days. Um, You can talk to somebody at uh, ISF about the dark night of the soul when it seems that God cannot be found. And... uh, Yeah, Brady right down here can explain it all to you. Um, Seek the Lord while he may be found. An odd thing that I've noticed in my lifetime is there are times when it seems like God is nearer and more responsive to prayer. And sometimes he's not. I don't understand it. He is always available to us, uh, but sometimes more so than others. So if the Lord is near, go for it. Seek him actively. You know, be the old lady that couldn't get justice from the judge, so she just kept nagging at him. Yeah, do it. Be bold. Be, understand me when I say this, 
Be obnoxious about it. Right? Um, those of you who have kids know that sometimes this is your child's best strategy for getting what they want. Learn a lesson. <laughs> okay. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Um, and finally, there is a, here at the, um, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, there is the, uh, the crowning statement for humbling all of us who seek to understand the Bible and uh, present it to other people. Um, the warning that we must be careful because, says the Lord, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We cannot figure out God. We can follow, try to follow to the best of our ability, his thoughts, his commands, uh, as we read them in the scripture, as we hear them preached. We need to be careful, though, that we not become so convinced of one particular odd interpretation of something because not a one of us, not all of us in history together assembled our brains electronically linked so that we're all one gigantic organic brain. We still cannot comprehend God. Is always beyond us. In some ways, he just doesn't make sense. Why would you forgive somebody who has so insulted you, who has so derided your name, your person, your character? And yet God says, repent, and you're forgiven. Just turn. Turn and walk the other way. Do good, not evil. So, no, I'll wait and say that when we leave. Okay. In the name of the Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.